ultimately the center of the story is Job coming to that place where he doesn't understand why he's suffering. He has no philosophical resolution to theodicy, the problem of evil, but he knows there's a historical resolution when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives Chapter in, 19, in, yeah. in this same body, not another. Yeah. I will see my Redeemer yeah. standing upon this earth. On this program, a classic White Horse Sin panel discussion of the book of Job. Hey there, Shane Rosenthal here. For 30 years, our focus at White Horse Inn has been to help Christians know what they believe and why they believe it. And throughout this year, I'd love to hear from you if you have any apologetics-related questions or suggestions for future topics. To submit a question, simply head to whitehorseinn.org slash askshane. Your question may be featured in a future program or blog post. Once again, the address is whitehorseinn.org slash askshane. Five centuries ago, in taverns and public houses across Europe, the masses would gather for discussion and debate over the latest ideas sweeping the land. From one such meeting place, a small Cambridge inn called the White Horse, the Reformation came to the English-speaking world. Carrying on the tradition, welcome to the White Horse Inn. Hello and welcome to another edition of the White Horse Inn. You know, we keep returning to the story of Job because it never fails to scratch where we itch when trials overwhelm us. We keep coming back to it. Job was a man deeply devoted to God. Satan chided God for Job's faithfulness. Why wouldn't he be faithful, Satan asked. After all, he lived a pretty charmed life. He was happy, wealthy, and wise. His household was carefree. So God allowed Satan to test Job. There's no getting around the facts of the case. God not only foreknew Satan's testing, he sanctioned it. Job 1, verses 6 through 12, it's pretty clear from the story that Satan couldn't have had access to Job apart from God's permission. Well, the next day, disaster followed disaster, and overnight, Job lost everything. Yet Job responded, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job refused to charge God with wrongdoing. And Satan came to God again and taunted, But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Job's body became racked with sores and pain until his own wife begged, Curse God and die. But Job still replied, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And at this point, in walk Job's famous counselors. That's where we're going to land in this edition of the White Horse Inn as we're focusing on the book of Job, a book we run to very often in our times of suffering and doubt and anxiety when we tend to question God's purposes, when we just don't have access to the secret files. Kim, Ken, Rod, when we come to the book of Job, first of all, it's interesting how people select what they find to be the key verse that unlocks this whole story, right? Because mm. it's an unfolding drama. Right, yeah. And like reading any novel or watching a movie, what is the sentence, what's the part of the dialogue that's sort of the turning point in the story? Well, that's why you have to look at Job in its literary style because it's a wisdom book and the prologue tells the reader everything the reader needs to know that Job doesn't know. Mm -hmm. So the reader already knows that Satan's been in the heavenly throne room and has been told, consider my servant Job, 
therefore, when Satan goes down and is allowed to, to torment Job, Job knows none of this. All Job right, knows right. is that his wife's dead and his kids are everything's destroyed. That's the first important thing to say that, like us, in our suffering, Job didn't have chapter one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He did not have that prologue, one and two, to tell him what was up. So he's yeah. at the mercy of all of this without any background that the reader already has. Yeah. Thinking of some of the lines that people pick out, Ken, before we were rolling tape, you were mentioning one that you grew up with. Yeah, it's the at, at the end of the book where Job is vindicated by God and his friends are condemned. And then the scripture goes on to say, and the Lord restored to Job a new family uh, he has he has uh, sons and daughters, and then he becomes wealthier at the end than he was in the beginning. And I've heard that distorted in so many ways mm, that yeah, if you yeah. just do this, then at the end of it, the same thing that happened to Job will happen to it's you. It's a guarantee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I always pick the wrong passage. When I flung Orion in the sky, did I have to consult you? Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. the Pleiades? Yeah. 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 Did I have to ask yeah. you? Where were you Gird up when your I, loins like a man? Yeah, yeah. Where were you when I laid the foundations yeah. of the earth? That's another one, and I can see why people say that's the mm-hmm. turning point. This is the you got to interpret the whole book in the light mm-hmm. of God's speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or but, Job's response: I heard I had heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now I'm seeing you right, face to right, face. Yeah. You know, that's another turning point. Or how about you're only winning because you're bigger? Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. My own take on Job, as we sort of start getting into this, my own take on it is that, yes, God's speech at the end sort of cleans everything up. It basically says there is a backstop here to your questioning. Mm. Speculation is, as the Reformer said, a labyrinth from which you never emerge safely. Calvin says, Whenever God opens his mouth, you'd better listen. But when he shuts his mouth, Mm. uh, we must be silent. We don't know. We can't seek God outside the way, outside of his revelation, supremely in Christ. But we can only focus on that which God has revealed. Right. Right. Huge point. Ultimately, ultimately, for me, the center of the story is Job coming to that place where he doesn't understand why he's suffering. He has no philosophical resolution to theodicy, the problem of evil, but he knows there's a historical resolution when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Chapter 19, yeah. In this flesh right now that's rotting and falling off of my bones. Yeah. This same body, not another. Yeah. I will see my Redeemer standing upon this earth. Yep. That's yeah. the answer to the problem. But that's not the answer we want. Yeah. Yeah, we want the answer that uh, well, even, Ken quoted earlier. Yeah. We want we want more stuff at the end of it all. I that's want just, it all. Yeah, that's just not, not the outcome now. to Job. Yeah. Well, even with that, that answer, and that I, I agree with you, I think that's that demonstrates the substance of his faith. But even with that bedrock faith, what we see in, in some of the chapters that follow are serious questions that Job raises. And I think that's also important. Job questions, why is all of this happening? And the reason that's important, in chapter 1, Job is described, and especially in the old King James translations, as being perfect and upright. If we don't do justice with that phrase, mm-hmm. then we will have Job as this sinless individual. 
I think what makes him, it, it's, it speaks of his maturity. He is yeah, everything. Walk with the Lord. He is everything wow. that a sinful, redeemed human being is supposed to be. Right. A godly man. <laughs> yes. Which is yeah. why the Lord points him out to Satan. Exactly. my servant Job. Um, Meredith Klein makes a great point that by introducing Job in the way in which he does, it introduces into redemptive history the theme that it will take the perfect obedience of someone to ultimately defeat Satan. Hmm. Job, of <clears throat> course, doesn't. But he comes close. I mean, if, as he's the epitome of human goodness and human righteousness, and yet he can't defeat Satan. In the, it's going to take somebody, mm-hmm. sure, like the God Man, to perfectly obey God's law to ultimately bring about victory. In fact, that comes especially in chapter sixteen, where Job is saying, "Look, you guys are way off the mark if you think that I've committed a sin that deserves this." Mm-hmm. And you got to say, "Yeah, I mean, he's right." Right. It, in, under the terms of the Old Covenant, if you had leprosy, it was because you sinned. Right. I mean, the, Leviticus threatened, if you break my law, I will send leprosy into the camp. If you do well, you will have full wombs, you'll have full vineyards, you'll have meat on the table, it'll be a feast all the time. Because as set up by the Lord, the land of Canaan was a type of the everlasting rest, and it was looking back to Eden in the the terms of the covenant, do this and you will live. Mm -hmm. Don't do it and you will die. There really was a sense in which the counselors would have been right that if Job is somehow suffering, especially in this kind of horrible way, He must have done something wrong, so let's find out what it is. Yeah, that, that's reasoning from the same pool as Jesus' disciples. Who sinned that this right. man yeah, is blind? Right, right. Was it he or his parents? Yeah. It's, it's the same yep, thing. Yep, it's, yep. There is validity to that. Yeah, it made sense in the light of the Old Covenant. Exactly, in light of the Old Covenant. But the problem is when, when preachers are going back to these texts today in the New Covenant. And making a one-to-one correlation. Right. Yeah. If you, you know, your vineyards will blossom, yeah. you're, right. you'll yeah. have right. children, and if you're barren, then it's because you've sinned. No, 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 no. That's not, we're not under those terms. And, and by the way, I think we should also note that for all of his faith in the Redeemer, there are points in Job's questioning where he sounds just like his friends. Yeah. And what he does is he recommends to God his own virtue. And he says, this is what yeah. I've done. Yeah. So why have I suffered right. this? Right. I've made a covenant with my eyes that I would not even look at a young maiden. So why yeah. am I suffering this? Right. I've spoken wisdom to the young men. I've given counsel at the gates. So what's with this? What's yeah. going on here? What's yeah. going on? And then he realizes it's not that Job, by the end of the story, thinks that he is not sinful, he's still professing that he hasn't committed a particular sin that deserves this, which is what his counselors are trying to get him to cough up. What he does come to see that he didn't apparently see before this all began is that even if Hmm. he hadn't committed some sin that was responsible for a direct judgment like this, he is sinful enough in God's courtroom to deserve what he's getting and for God to be proved just. Yeah. He says that. And in chapter 16, he, you know, he says, uh, even now, my advocate, my defense attorney is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. 
as my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a human being, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. And he says, hmm. uh, earlier, he said, if only there were a go-between, yeah, chapter if only nine. there were a yeah. mediator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So isn't this basically, once again, the story behind the story, God versus Satan. This is the story behind all the stories, the seed of the woman triumphing over the seed of the serpent. And I think of John 11, where you have the Mm. raising of Lazarus, and everybody thinks it's about Lazarus. Mm. And Jesus says, uh, word is sent to him that Lazarus is dying, and he says he loved Lazarus so much, so he stayed for two more days. So he laid. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, what was that? What's wrong with this picture? (laughs) And then he says, for your sakes, I was glad that I didn't go so that you would believe. Right, yeah. So we already kind of get a glimpse into what the purpose is here. And then after Lazarus is dead for four days, he does it and he pushes Martha. Do you believe he's going to rise from the dead? And she said, yeah, is this a, I, I'm not sure this is a good time for a theology quiz, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, on the last day, day, on yeah. the last yeah. day he'll yeah. rise yeah. from the yeah. dead. And he said, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm not just asking you to profess your agreement with a proposition. Mm. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Yeah. And she makes her wonderful confession. You are the son of God. Yep. You have come yep. from God. Yep. And that is the point. So we're, it starts out with Lazarus. Mm-hmm. But by the time we get through the story, it's not really about Lazarus at all. The whole story is about Jesus Christ and the confession that yes. Martha makes to Jesus in front of all of these people. That is the point ultimately, of all of the stories, including Job, isn't right. it? And that's what makes sense of Lazarus' death, because Jesus responds in a, in a very sort of paradoxical sort of way. Yes, I am the resurrection, the truth, and the life. If anyone believes in me, he'll never die. But then he comes right back and says, but if he does die, he'll that's live it. again. Right. Yeah. So, so there's the paradox that, that faith in Christ answers the question of death so that even if it's not that you don't die, it's just that you have eternal life and death does not interfere with the gift of eternal life. Both the story of Job and Lazarus teach us that we can't discern the meaning behind things based on the evidence at hand, that these things go far more than just what did Lazarus do that caused him to die? Mm. What did Job do that caused this? I think we see this in the opening second chapter of Job when the three friends show up and they sit with Job for a week and say nothing because they saw, and at that time they brought him tremendous comfort. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. when they start trying to figure out why Mm -hmm. Job's in the fix that he is that they all of a sudden become his tormentors. Well, let's jump into that. Eliphaz leads off by telling him, Job, think how you've instructed many, how you've Mm -hmm. strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumble. You've strengthened faltering knees, Mm. but now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged? It Mm. strikes you and you're dismayed? Shouldn't your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that kind of the whole point that that's exactly what he needs to be broken off from? Mm. Confidence in his own piety. Yeah. So Eliphaz goes from bringing Job comfort yep. when he's quiet, <laughs> yep. opening his mouth now. And then, what was your first mistake? Yeah. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think let's interject this because this is a struggle for me as a pastor. 
people come to us and ask for explanations to yeah. the things they're going through in life, and a lot of times there's not an answer. Yeah. Yes. And we don't have to, chapter one either. Right. And we have to learn to do what Job's three friends did, sit with the afflicted. Exactly. And not try and figure out why they're under affliction. All right. the guys who were in my fraternity, pagans to the man, showed up at my father's funeral. Mm. But they didn't attempt words of comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that was comforting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think we've entered into an age where the assumption is you have to have something to say. Right. You have to right. have an explanation. I think that's the byproduct of all of the, the mingling of word faith with orthodoxy and word from God and revelation and anointings and all of the rest of it. Because your faith is power and the substance of your faith is demonstrated by your circumstances, yeah. we feel compelled to have to have something to say. Folks, we're in unprecedented times. Many of us have been gripped by fear lately, COVID-19, the stock market, fear of losing an elderly parent. We're managing anxiety about reduced income or the loss of our jobs. It's not the easiest of times to talk about our faith with others, and yet we're still called to share the gospel with people around us. Many of them have pretty big questions at a time like this. To equip you to share your faith with others, we've created a new collection focused on evangelism. This digital download contains some of our best White Horse Inn programs and Modern Reformation articles on this topic. I really hope you'll consider requesting it as a thank you for a gift of $50 or more. To receive this digital download, head on over to whitehorseinn.org forward slash evangelism. Or if you prefer to call, you can call us toll free at 1-800-890-7556. Join us in our mission of not only getting the gospel right, but getting the gospel out. And thanks for your support. Welcome back to this classic White Horse Inn episode as the hosts are discussing the book of Job. We've been taught that there is a perfect will of God that is sort of plan A, and then there is a plan B kind of will of God. You can get in and out of the will of God. So I was, as a kid, always wondering now, how do I make sure I'm... And it wasn't even violating God's revealed will. You could get out of God's best for your life by making a bad decision that had nothing to do with sin. It was just the wrong road to go down. Right, right. Stepping outside of God's best for your life. Boy, that's terrifying and very anxiety generating. Oh, yeah. If you have that theology, it stands to reason you are going to try to comfort people. The motive isn't wrong. The theology is. You're going to try to comfort people by saying, look, here's all you have to do. Yes. Let's figure out where your wrong turn was. Yes. Go back and reverse it. And then you're not going to believe it. It's going to be uh, better than it ever was. Yeah. Well, two things that, that make me love the book of Job is, one, God never gives a reason for the things that Job suffers. Yeah. There's never a reason. There's, there's just none. Secondly, there is nothing that is presented in a prescriptive way so that here's what here's you need take to away. do. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. none of that. There is just this slice of human reality mm-hmm. for one who trusts the living God in a fallen world until he returns. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's mm-hmm. what's on display here. Mm-hmm. Here's what happens. It may right. not happen to everyone, right? But here's what, as you you pointed out earlier, really the the crux of the story is in the first chapter that there is something cosmological, something greater at work and on display in this world that we can't fully yep. grasp. Yep. Mm-hmm. God is in control. Satan is our adversary. Mm-hmm. Those realities are presented. And God's sovereign purposes include the presence of Satan and is not frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's much there that we just don't understand, mm-hmm. but that's what's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where wisdom enters the picture, I think, because wisdom knows when there is a cause and effect relationship, i.e., somebody engages in a particular practice and becomes ill as a result of something we know causes illness. Sure. Yeah. And wisdom knows where that is and then when to shut up because yeah. there are people yeah. who suffer horribly, and we can't discern any kind of a reason as to why in those cases, I've got to learn to stop and not try Mm -hmm. and figure that out. And that's not a direct act of judgment. That's not a miraculous invention. Very important. That is God's sustaining of the processes of natural law that he instituted and upholds as creator and preserver. It's not the judgment day. Yeah being moved yes. from closer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. closer yeah. to time. Or, to just, or time. just to me. And yeah. I, I think along with what you're saying, Kim, the pastor who knows what he's doing knows in his own background there'll be a future vindication. He just, yes. doesn't, mm-hmm. he just doesn't say it. Yes. Mm-hmm. We so have to learn to say it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you, you mentioned that... Um, there is a cause and effect in certain things that we see in this life. But even if that's the case, even if a person is deathly ill because of something that can be traceable to a particular action, the fact that they are deathly ill is not the time for us to talk about the cause of it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. In fact, exactly. that's, that's an important point. It's all too yeah. obvious. Yes. You, you really can't learn law when you are taking the LSAT. And you really it's too can't. Late. It's yeah. too late. You can't yeah. really. I mean, sure, you can learn things that help sustain you during troubled times when you're going through the trouble. But the time for really understanding who God is and what you cannot know and what you can know, what has been revealed, is before the crisis hits. Yeah, the good times. The good times. Then when the crisis hits, it's really good to not ask yourself questions that drive you deeper down into yourself and not mm-hmm. have friends encouraging you to go to deeper do down into yourself, but just to kind of get through it. Because even physically, you're not in good shape to evaluate yes. reasonably anyway no. when you're going through tough times. Sure. Yeah, you know? and I, I love the, the phrase in uh, Ephesians where Paul says, uh, don't let any corrupt communication proceed from your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification. Mm. So it's not just that it's true, but it's <laughs> going to edify. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And I think the point here is really well taken. The time to think about these things under Holy Scripture is the good times, mm-hmm. yeah? Because they're not going to last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have people ask me all the time, "Why do you talk so much about death?" Uh-huh. And my response is, "Because I'm going to bury you, <laughs> yeah. or you're going to bury me, yeah, or yeah. your relatives at some point, yeah." And mm-hmm. you're you not going to pass away; you're going to die. You're going to yeah. die, and we have yeah. to prepare for that now because it's going to happen. Yeah, not well, if, but when. Eliphaz, who just told Job, "Shouldn't your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope?" goes on to add insult to injury by saying, consider now 
who ever being innocent mm. has perished? Yeah. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble oh, reap it. Man. So it's you reap what you sow. Yep. It's interesting. Paul in Galatians, of all places, hmm. substantiates this principle. You reap what you sow. This goes back yes. to your principle of if you sleep around and you get a, a sexually transmitted, sexually transmitted disease, disease, don't be shuddering. Yeah. 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 But here, what he's saying is, look, if people are suffering, it's not the way God made the world. Hmm. It's a direct judgment for particular sins that we need to discover. You reap specific prosperity mm-hmm. for specific good works, and you reap specific judgments yes. for specific crimes. And that, of course, is refuted by the same Apostle Paul who agrees that uh, sure. what you sow, you reap. When Paul talks about the elementary principles of the world, that comes right out of Stoicism. Yeah, Basically, sure what Paul's talking about there is natural law. Sure. And then what's remarkable, and no doubt incendiary to the Judaizers, at least, of that text, he compares the Mosaic law hmm. to the Stoicheia to Cosmo yes, from yes. which we've been liberated. So he's not saying that there no longer are natural laws. He's not saying you no longer reap what you sow. If you sleep around, you'll get sexually transmitted. And he's not saying, no, I'm, I'm lifting all those natural laws. No, but what he's saying is our everlasting destiny yeah. is no longer determined by the principle of you reap what you sow. Well, so, our eternal destiny never has been and yeah, yeah. after, right. after the, the fall. Right. Well, it was before. It's not after. Point, yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with, with Adam, it was a sinful deed that brought about a sinful condition to all of his progeny. We still look at it in a one-to-one correlation as if specific deeds are the reasons for specific circumstances, whereas all of these deeds collectively, those things that happen to us and those things that we do that are inconsistent with what God has commanded is not just because of deeds. It's the condition that we have inherited. Luther, Luther talks about the fall before the disobedience. Mm. Now, what do you mean by that? The thoughts. The thoughts. Yeah, the mind. Yeah, yeah. already in the mind, the fall had taken place. Yes. It was in the brain mm-hmm. before the act. Yeah, you yeah. get a bit of that in covenant theology, too, where the idea is that the covenant Lord, uh, Adam, didn't drive the serpent from the garden. Yeah. Where is Adam when he's Satan just, is tempting Eve? He's, he's standing asleep, right there. He's asleep mm. at the switch, yeah. yeah. Folks, that's all the time we have for this program. But if you'd like to hear the extended conversation, simply visit our website, whitehorseinn.org. Here's a sample from that longer discussion. Job is confident that God is going to win, and he has absolutely no way out unless there is a mediator who can talk to God as God and who can represent man as a man. And who doesn't have guilt. Right. Whereby he is not able to stand before God. Folks, when you support the work of the White Horse Inn by signing up as a partner, you'll get longer editions of every White Horse Inn broadcast and access to our 30-year archive. Right now, if you sign up for a free trial, you'll get an all-access pass to our archive for one week. Just head to whitehorseinn.org slash member. That's whitehorseinn.org forward slash member. 
Also, if you have any suggestions for future programs or questions you'd like us to tackle, just look for the Ask Shane section at the bottom left of our website, whitehorseinn.org. Thanks so much for being with us for this edition of the program, and be sure to join us next time at the White Horse Inn as we continue our discussion of the Book of Job. 